welcome to the 2019 HMA Ministers Conference. On behalf of Dr. and Mrs. Savelle and Pastors Justin and Annette Bridges, we are so blessed that you'll be joining us this week. We believe that these two days will present divine revelation straight from heaven. We believe that you will leave here refreshed and empowered to accomplish all that God has for you. Now, stay tuned for some important information. When you registered, you received a welcome folder. In this folder, you will find a number of items, including your renewal forms. This year, we are providing you with two ways of completing your renewal. One, you may fill out these forms and turn them back into our registration table before you leave. Or two, you can go to the link on this card and complete the form online. Renewal forms are due by December 31st in order to avoid an additional renewal fee. During this year's Ministers Conference, make sure to check out the awesome products that we have available, especially for you. If you want to add to your library, we have individual sale items as well as bundled items. There are three Ministers Manuals available for a bundled price of $75, normally $30 each. We encourage you to go home with these items that will prove extremely useful for discipleship training and help you to continue to fuel your faith throughout the year. These are also great resources to use to develop your people and will allow you to learn alongside them. Also available are the Prosperity and Success Manuals Volume 1 and 2 for $70 and 13 mini books to choose from. Feel free to mix and match. If you buy 10, you get one free. Don't miss out on these special offers. My life has been filled with extraordinary things. And everyone that is participating here will experience that same manifestation of the anointing creating more and greater in-depth, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of God. Not only in their ministries, but in their personal lives as well. Extraordinary financial blessings. Extraordinary manifestations of favor in the name of Jesus. Extraordinary manifestations of healings and miracles and deliverances in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. And your life from this day forward is going to be filled with extraordinary things. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands right now and say, I receive it. Praise God. Extraordinary things. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Are you ready for another session? Amen. Let me get to my current notes. Those were some notes from way back. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, first of all, this afternoon. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Didn't you enjoy Brother Keith this morning? My, that was so good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's uh, rehearse just a little bit on what we talked about in the first session. 
It begins with how you think and how you believe. Extraordinary things happening in our lives. Begins with how we think and how we believe. Second Corinthians chapter 10, you're very familiar with it. Let's begin in verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you, or with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Let me unravel that King James. I couldn't hardly say it. Let me read it from the Passion Translation. Now I plead with you that when I come, don't force me to take a hard line with you, which I'm willing to do, by daring to confront those who mistakenly believe that we are living by the standards of this world and not by the Spirit's wisdom and power. Amen. So what he's saying is, say what? They cleared that up. Amen. Let's look at it again. I plead with you that when I come, don't force me to take a hard line with you, which I'm willing to do by daring to confront those who mistakenly believe that we are living by the standards of the world and not by the Spirit's wisdom and power. So look at somebody and tell them, I do not live by the standards of this world. Tell somebody else, I do not live by the standards of this world. And then we drop down to verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So notice the Apostle Paul teaches a lot about faith. Throughout his letters, his epistles, he talks about the importance of faith in God. But he also talks about the importance of how we think. You know, a lot of times we don't put enough emphasis on the thoughts that we have. And obviously, he says that if your thoughts don't line up with the Word of God, then it's important that you cast them down. And you do so immediately. Don't allow them to, to take up residence in your mind. Because if they do then it's been said, and you've heard it many times before, your life tends to go in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Right. Amen? Amen? So if you think small, then you'll stay small. Now, I'm not small because I think small. <laughs> I was born this way, okay? <laughs> Amen. But I'm a giant. I'm as tall as Rodney on the inside. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But if you think small, then you stay small. It's just a proven fact by the Word of God. Amen. So he says anything that is contrary to what God's Word says, then don't let it stay in your thought life. Cast it down. Imaginations that don't line up with the Word of God, cast them down. Now he's not saying that every imagination is evil. It's just those that don't line up with the Word of God. We have to have our imagination. Amen. I mean, it's a God-given gift that, that we have the capacity to imagine. In fact, 
God's Word is designed to paint pictures on the inside of us, paint images on the inside of us. I heard Brother Copeland say way back when I first uh, came to the Lord, uh, and, and I, I was probably still less than six months old in the Lord, and Brother Copeland made this statement. He said, God's Word is the oil, the Holy Spirit is the artist, and your heart is the canvas. And if you spend enough time in the Word, the Holy Spirit will paint an image on the canvas of your heart of the way God sees you, of the way God wants you to live, of what God wants you to have. And notice, um, this book is full of God's Word. And the more of God's Word you get on the inside of you, then the more perfected that image will become. Amen. Amen. And then he gave this example, and I've used it many times over the years. He said, we don't think in words, we think in pictures. In images. And then he made this statement. He said, if I say the word dog, nobody thought D-O-G. Everybody thinks in images. In fact, when I said dog, if you have a dog, you probably had an image of your dog. I did. I just had an image of my dog. But if I say big dog and your dog is small, then you're not seeing your dog anymore. But you are seeing a dog that's big. And if I say big black dog, and if your dog is big and it's brown, you're not seeing your dog anymore. You're seeing a big black dog. If, you, if, I, add, if I keep adding words, then that image is going to be perfected. And eventually, I don't know how long it would take, but if we kept adding words, kept adding words, kept adding words to that one word dog, eventually everybody in here would see the same dog. That's what the Bible's designed to do. That's the reason it doesn't have just one scripture. It's full of scripture. And they're all inspired by God. And the more of them you get in your heart, the more of them that you learn to uh, uh, replace your thoughts with God's thoughts in your mind, then you're going to get the same image that God has. Amen. God sees you living extraordinary lives. God wants you to experience extraordinary things. Can you say amen? Amen. Why? Because our God is an extraordinary God. Give the Lord a good shout if you believe that. Praise God. Amen. Now, listen once again to the Passion Translation. I plead with you, don't have this mistaken idea, and I'm just going to paraphrase some of it. Don't have the mistaken idea that we are living by the standards of the world. We're not. We're living by the Spirit's wisdom and power. Amen. So, our motivation should be, and we should build our lives on and our ministries upon, what we see in the Word of God. If God's Word says we can do it, then we can do it. If God's Word says we can have it, we can have it. Amen. Amen. We are what He says we are. We can do what He says we can do. Now, in the beginning stages of your walk with God... That's, that's a little difficult, particularly if you have, you know, no foundation, you know, no, no word level at all. Because I'd never heard these things before when I was growing up. You know, we went to a little Baptist church down at the end of our road, a little country Baptist church, white wood frame church. And uh, our pastor, I never heard him talk about these things. He may have, but I don't think he did. And, but if he did, I never heard him. All I remember my pastor saying as a little boy, and I, and I went there all my young life, all I remember him saying is, once saved, always saved. Wow. 
That was a Baptist theology. <laughs> Amen. Once saved, always saved. That's about the only thing I remember. Other than there's none righteous, no, not one. <laughs> Anybody go to the Baptist church ever hear that? There's none righteous, no, not one. And he always closed every sermon with, we're all sinners just saved by grace. And of course, nobody responded in our church. I didn't, I didn't hear a response from people until I go, started going to Carolyn's church. Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. We're all sinners saved by grace. Yes, amen. I know that's right. <laughs> Tell it like it is, preacher. You know. Now, I didn't hear that until I started going to the black church. Amen. <laughs> Tell it like it is, preacher. Huh? The black church was a little more lively, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. My, my grandpa in Mississippi where I was born, he went to the Calvary Baptist Church. It was about five miles away. And he went every Sunday. But grandma, she didn't like to go to the Calvary Baptist Church. There was a, there was a black church just, just oh, less than 200 yards from our house. And that's where grandma went. And that's the first church I ever went to. Grandma said, son... Don't go to church with Grandpa. It's boring. Go down here with me. They lively down here, you know. And they were. And I love sitting there. On, and, and they'd always put me and my grandma right on the front row. And I always like looking at them women in there. They all come in with bonnets and hair. You know, they were just country people. Didn't have much. But boy, they had a beautiful hat. And it was this big around. Boy, they all come walking in there, sit down with them beautiful hats. And, uh, and, and boy, they knew how to have church. But I don't remember, you know, I was just a little boy. I don't remember them preaching sermons like we preach today, you know. This was all foreign to me. I didn't know any of this. I'd never even heard of the Abrahamic covenant. Isn't that amazing? You go to church all your young life, never even hear anybody talk about the Abrahamic covenant. And when Brother Copeland said, Abraham's blessings are mine, I didn't have a clue what he's talking about. And when he'd make statements like, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved only by what I believe. I thought, where in the world did he come up with that? I'm moved by everything I hear. I'm moved by everything I see. I'm moved by everything I feel. How do you get to the place where he's not moved? Huh? I mean, he might as well have been speaking Greek that day because it was all Greek to me. But I never will forget when he made that statement about God's Word is designed to paint a picture on the canvas of your heart of the way God sees you, what God wants you to have, how God wants you to live. And it all started making sense to me then. And so when I would get in the Word and I'd see something, and it would paint that picture on the inside of me. Then I'd go over and find another verse that added to that. And it just got more and more perfected. Amen. Praise God. And then I'll never forget the day I was able to say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm only moved by what I believe. And I believe the Word of God. That was a great day. How many of you remember that day in your life? Amen. Amen. Sometimes we, you know, we keep preaching and keep preaching and we leave the basics and think we got to come up with something new all the time. You know, particularly if you've been in the ministry a long time. And 
if you pastor a church where you're preaching to the same people week after week after week, you think you had to come up with something new, something new. Years ago, the Lord told me, and this was a long time ago, he said, I want you to have a meeting every month here at our ministry. And he said, call it back to the basics. And I did that once a month, every year for 12 years. And I never, I never changed the title. Going into the higher level. No, it's always back to the basics. Back to the basics. And we dealt with basic principles of living by faith every month for 12 years. Hallelujah. Anybody ever come to those meetings? Oh, yeah. Praise God. We used to have people come from all over the place for the back to the basics. I've been thinking about doing it again sometime. (laughs) Going back to the basics. And I go in churches today where they've never even heard the basics. They don't even have a good foundation. They're trying to believe for things, and they haven't even learned the power of words yet. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Like one person told me, said, Brother Jerry, you mean we have to go back to watching what we say? I said, well, man, why'd you ever quit? Why did you ever quit? When I learned this, 50 years ago, I've never wanted to go back to anything else. Amen. I realized right then, my words are messing up my life, you know. So why don't I change my words and change my attitude and change the way I see things and line it up with the Word of God and praise God? That has made, that was the wisest decision I ever made and it's still working for me 50 years later, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's important that we realize that how we think and what we believe has everything to do with our outcome. If we keep thinking small, we're going to live small. If we keep believing small, we're going to, we're going to live small. We're going to get exactly what we think and what we believe. Can you say amen? amen. So notice once again, Paul beseeches us. That's a strong word. It's almost... Uh, almost the same as beg. I'm pleading with you. Please don't allow thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God to reside in your mind and reside in your thinking. They will limit you. They will confine you. They will restrict you. So I like to say, I am not limited by the standards of this world. Amen? I am not limited by the standards of this world. I live by the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. I live by the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you truly mean that, then the limitations that you once had will no longer be limitations. Amen. You'll begin to experience things that you never thought you would experience. Have things happen to you that you never dreamed would happen to you. You know, uh, you've heard me tell the story that uh, shortly after I came to the Lord in February 1969, they were having a, uh, a, a watch night service at our church as the new year was ending and 1970 was coming. And uh, the pastor announced they was going to have a new year service. I asked Carolyn, I said, what's a new year service? She said, we're going to have church all night. I said, What? We're going to have church all night. We're going, to, we're going to watch the new year come in. I'd never done that before. And so now I'm excited about the things of God. And I thought, wow, we're going to have church all night. That'll be good. Praise God. 
And the pastor announced that uh, uh, he, was, he had invited a special guest, and he considered him to be what he said uh, as a prophet of God. And he said uh, he's going to be the, the keynote speaker on New Year's Eve, and uh, we're going we're gonna to praise God, and we're going to sing, we're going to have testimonies, and we're going to do a lot of things. And then he's going to close it out with speaking and, in, and getting us ready for the new year. And so I was looking forward to it. And then that Sunday morning, uh, or before New Year's Eve, he said, uh, I talked to this man, and he said he believes he has a word from God for all the men. And he wants to encourage all the men in the church to make sure you're there for New Year's Eve night. And so now that made it even more exciting. I mean, now he's got a word for all the men. And so uh, he gave a great message, you know, and then he said, all right, all the men stand up and form a line around the walls of this church. And he said, and I'm going to lay hands on you, and pastor's going to be on the other side, and he's going to lay hands on you. You're going to walk between us. I may have a word for you. I may not, but we are going to pray for every man in this building. And so we all got up, lined up, and and I'm way back at the back, you know, and it took a while for all these men to, to come through. And now finally it's my time. And I walk up there and this man of God lays his hand on my head and pastor lays his head on my hand, on my head. And the, the, the prophet of God says, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. And the pastor said, oh yeah, fly, fly, fly. So I started to walk off and he said, no, no, wait a minute, young man, there's more. So I backed up. He laid his hands on my head again. Pastor laid his hands on my head. And the prophet again said, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. Pastor Jack Moore said, oh yeah, fly, fly, fly. So they didn't say any more. I started to walk off. No, 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 wait, wait, there's more. I came back. Airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. Fly, fly, fly. So I decided to just stand there, maybe more. He said, you can go now. So I left. And I went down and sat next to Carolyn. I said, what did all of that mean? She said, sounds like to me, you're going to spend the rest of your life in airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. And boy, you're going to fly, fly, fly. (laughs) Okay. So now, so God is giving me a word of knowledge. Okay. So I went home and, and back in those days, and I still do it. I wrote down everything the Lord would say to me in prayer. And, and did my special meditation time. And I wrote in my, in my diary or notebook those words, and I dated it. That was February, I mean, it was uh, December 31st, 1969, just before midnight, okay? Getting ready to go into 1970. And I wrote that. And then I said, the man of God said, fly, 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 uh, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. And the pastor said, fly, fly, fly. And they said it three times. So I wrote that down. And so I don't really have, you know, tremendous insight into how this is all going to happen. But I believed that these men wouldn't just throw something out there, you know, and, and, uh, and get me to, you know, follow in something that wasn't true. So I just held on to it. And then uh, later when Brother Copeland came back the second time to preach at the church, uh, he told more about his, his life before he became a minister and that he had been a commercial pilot. 
and that he had uh, flown for Oral Roberts when he was going to ORU. And that's when I learned about Brother Copeland uh, being in aviation before he went into the ministry. And so there's a connection here, but I don't know what it is yet. And as it turned out, Brother Copeland had a wreck in his automobile on the way over to Shreveport from Fort Worth. And he asked me to repair it while he was there in that meeting. So I didn't get to go to the day services because I'm working on Brother Copeland's car, but I got to go to the evening services. And one day, Brother Copeland came over and watched me work on his car. And uh, I'm grinding this quarter panel down, you know, and, and I put it down and I thought, this man is the one who introduced me to the life of faith. I got 9,000 questions. I wonder if he'd mind if I ask him some. So I said, Brother Copeland, do you mind if I ask you some questions? No, not at all. So I asked him a few questions. He answered them. And then he said, now I got to go. He said, I don't like to be out, uh, out past three o'clock in the afternoon so I can prepare for the evening service. He said, are you going to be there tonight? I said, yes, sir, I will. And so he left and I kept working on his car until about five that evening. Went in and took a shower and changed my clothes. Went over to the service. I'm sitting about where Ken is right here on the, on the aisle. Brother Coburn's preaching in a wonderful sermon on faith. And then he just stopped. 15 minutes into his sermon. Jerry, stand up. I stood up not knowing what he's going to do. He said, I was in prayer today and God showed me that you and I will be a team and we're going to spend the rest of our lives preaching together around the world and it'd be your responsibility to believe God for the perfect timing for the team to begin. Sit down. And then he went on and preached his sermon. I leaned over to Carolyn. I said, what did all that mean? She said, I think we're moving to Fort Worth. I said, why? She said, he said, you're going to be a team. I thought, wow, a team. My goodness. And we're going to preach together all over the world. Wow, that's amazing. Now, notice how this is all connecting. Airplanes, 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 fly, fly, fly. And I'm going to work for a man who previously was a commercial pilot. How's this all connecting? And so when I moved to Fort Worth, uh, shortly after that, uh, I started traveling with Kenneth Copeland. In those early days, as I mentioned in the first service this morning, he had a small little single-engine airplane. And we'd get in that little uh, skyline, and we'd just putt across the sky, and it'd take us all day to get somewhere. But, praise God, it was in an airplane. It was faster than 65 miles an hour. And, <laughs> hallelujah, we didn't have any red lights. Praise God. Amen. So I'm setting up in the cockpit, just me and him. And I'm watching everything he's doing. And then in a little while, he says, have you watched enough? And I said, yes, sir. He said, you think you can fly it now? I said, well, if you help me. So he'd turn it over to me, and he'd tell me what to do. And now I'm getting the bug. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, I want to learn to fly. I don't want to just fly next to him. I want to learn to fly. And so I start taking flying lessons. And uh, so I'm, I'm moving right along here, you know, and I'm still working with him. And now he's up to the third airplane that God blessed him with since I, since I started working for him. And now it's a, a Cessna 414 pressurized cabin, flies higher, turboprop, flies faster, cabin class. Oh, as we say in the South, we are in high cotton now. 
man, we're flying along there, and I'm flying up in the cockpit with him, and every once in a while he'd just turn it over to me, you know, and fly a little bit, you know. And, and so I still hadn't, it still hadn't dawned on me that what I'm doing now is what that prophet said to me on New Year's Eve. Airplanes, 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 fly, fly, fly. But I'm just flying with Brother Copeland. It's his airplane. So I still hadn't connected it, but it's all connected. Okay? And so then after I left Brother Copeland uh, to launch out into this ministry, uh, I started getting invitations. And, of course, I'm driving all over the place. I'm driving to California. I'm driving to the West Coast. I'm driving to the East Coast. I'm driving to the North. I'm driving to the South. I'm in a, I'm in a Ford LTD station wagon. Carolyn's in it. The girls are in it. Everything we own's in it. <laughs> and we're just driving all over the country. And finally gets to the place where I can't get to all the meetings I'm asked to come to by driving. You can't be in Los Angeles one night and New York City the next driving and be there in time for a church service. So now this would be a wonderful opportunity for the first airplane to show up. Because I can't get to all the places I'm invited to preach. Okay. So then the Lord asked me. He said, uh, do you remember what I told you back there in 1969, New Year's Eve? I said, yes, I do. He said, airplanes, 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 fly, fly, fly. He said, are you believing for your first one? I said, I am. He said, well, son, where do you plan on keeping it? I said, at the airport. He said, where? I said, in a hangar. He said, do you have one? I said, no. He said, well, I thought you said you believed you received when you prayed. Doesn't sound like to me you believe you received. I said, well, Lord, how do I act like I have an airplane? Get out on the runway like this? I mean, (laughs) he said, the first thing you need to do is go get a hangar. Well, I didn't even know how to do that. I went out to Meacham Field. I asked around who, who's in charge of the hangers out here? They've told me who to go see. I went in to see this man, and I said, I need a hanger, sir. He said, all right. Uh, he said, I just want you to know we have a waiting list. And I said, no, that won't work. I've got to have one now. He said, well, we don't have one available now, but I can put you on a waiting list. He said, go ahead and fill out the application. So it's asked for my name. I put my name in there. Name of the company. I put the name of the company at that time, Jerry Savelle Evangelistic Association, and the address. And then it said type of aircraft. I left that blank. Single, twin, you know, turbo, jet, whatever. I left all that blank. Color, description, left that blank. End number, left that blank. And then I signed it, gave it back to him. He said, sir, you didn't complete this form. I said, it's all I know. He said, do you have an airplane? I said, yes, I do. He said, but you don't know what kind it is? I said, no, I don't. He said, do you own this airplane? I said, yes, I do. (laughs) He said, have you flown it? I said, not yet, but I will. And he said, you don't know the end number? I said, no, I don't. Now, that's, that's pretty dumb if a pilot doesn't even know his own end number, okay? He said, sir, do you really have an airplane? I said, I really do. 
And I had my New Testament in my pocket and I got it out and I opened to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and the Amplified says the title deed. I said, sir, I have title deed. My faith has given me title deed to this airplane. I said, you just can't see it yet. He said, well, sir, we only rent hangars to people who actually have airplane. I said, I actually do have an airplane right here, title deed. I said, sir, you see that car out in that parking lot there? That's my car. He said, okay. What does that have to do with airplanes? I said, have you seen the title deed to it yet? No. Well, how do you know it's mine? You just told me. I said, well, how do I know I got an airplane? God just told me. He said, I don't understand you. I said, you don't have to understand me. I understand me. <laughs> he said, well, sir, I can't give you a hanger. He said, even if I had a hanger, I can't give it to you because we only give hangers to people who actually have airplanes. I said, okay. Are you a Christian? He said, yes, I am. He said, if you die and go to heaven tonight and God asks you, why didn't you give Jerry Savelle a hanger? You've prevented him from having an airplane. Can you live with that? He said, no, I'll give you my air. I'll give you my hanger. And he signed his hanger over to me. I got his hanger. He gave me the keys to his. He moved his airplane down. Gave me his his hanger. He's the airport manager. Gave me his hanger and the keys to it. So I went down to look at my new hanger. It's a nice hanger. You'd have thought after all of this, the airplane would have manifested before dark. No, it didn't manifest before dark. But I got a hanger. I got a place to put it now. Amen? See, uh, part of experiencing the extraordinary is you have to be willing to do extraordinary things. Uncommon things. Amen? And so I got a hanger. And I'd go out there once in a while and I'd just sit in the hanger, put me a chair in there. I put a water hose in there because I want to wash my airplane as soon as it comes. Put some, put some tool chest in there and got everything set up for an airplane. But no, it didn't show up in a week. It didn't show up in a month. But you heard the story going out to Hobbs, New Mexico, and a man named Oop came in the mill and, and blessed me, the first person who ever gave me money toward an airplane. Now, it, didn't, it wasn't enough to buy the airplane, but finally somebody heard from God. And I was thrilled about that. So Oop Schroner was the first man who invested in my aviation department. Amen. And so when we got back home, shortly after that, I was going to Omaha, Nebraska to preach. Fred Price and I had been invited to preach in a faith seminar together. And when the meeting was over with, Carol and I went to the airport in Omaha, along with Fred and Betty, and they went to their gate to fly back to L.A. We went to our gate to fly back to DFW. We got home, and my office manager said, somebody called while you were gone, and wanted you to call them as soon as you landed. And so back then we didn't have, you know, cell phones. You had to stop at a service station to use a pay phone. And I called the people. They lived in Dallas. And I knew them, but I didn't know them extremely well. But I knew them. And uh, they said, can you have dinner with us tonight in Dallas? It's very important. Well, we were DFW close by. And we thought, well, we're already here. We might as well have dinner with them. So we went over to have dinner with them. And we're sitting in 
this restaurant. And uh, the lady sitting next to me said, Brother Jerry, the reason we ask you to have dinner with us tonight is because God told us to give you our airplane. And said, we were going to give it to you a long time ago. But the Lord said, don't do it yet until it's paid for. And so we were believing God to pay it off so that we could present it to you. And said, Charles and Peggy Caps came to spend the day with us. And we're all sitting around talking. And uh, uh, we just asked Charles and Peggy. We told them the story, how God told us to give you our airplane. And we just asked them to agree with us for the balance that we owe. Charles said, well, how much do you owe? They said, we're down to $6,000. That's all we owe on this airplane. Charles looked at Peggy and Peggy looked at him. They said, we've got $6,000 in tithe money. We've been asking God where to put it. Said, we're going to put it in there. Let's call Jerry and see if we can have dinner with him tonight and get that airplane in his hands. And so when they presented me with that airplane, praise God. Oh, it was the first one. I said, it was the first one. Hallelujah. Amen. When they brought it over the next day, and when that airplane, I'll never forget it. I remember to this day where my hangar was, and there was just a small hill that you had to come over, and, and my hangar was right at the bottom of that hill. And when I saw that blue and white Cessna 310 come over that hill, I thought it was the most beautiful airplane I'd ever seen in my life. Why? Because it's mine. Hallelujah. And it's debt free. And God did it. He did the extraordinary, praise God. Amen. But notice here, I had to change, first of all, the way I thought and how I believed. It had everything to do with experiencing the extraordinary. See, if I, if I was saying, well, Lord, you know, as soon as that airplane manifests, I'll get a hanger. That's like walking up to the fireplace and saying, uh, give me some heat and I'll throw in the wood. You have to throw in the wood first. Amen. You have to throw in the wood first before you get the heat. Remember the Bible story where Jesus was entering into this village? And the Bible says there were ten lepers standing afar off. They weren't allowed in the village under Levitical law because they had leprosy. They could be stoned if they came into that village. But when they saw Jesus, one of them shouted, Master, have mercy on us. And how did Jesus respond? Go show yourself to the priest. They can't do that. Under Levitical law, they can't go show themselves to the priest until they have been cleansed. And then the priest would say, you have been cleansed. And he would welcome them back into the village. But they had to be cleansed first. What is Jesus doing? Speaking the end result. He's trying to get them to change the way they think and change the way they believe. So he said, go show yourself to the priest. And I love the next verse starts with, as they went. They just did something extraordinary. They just were, they were willing to do something uncommon. Amen. And as they went, the Bible said, and they were cleansed. All 10 of them were cleansed. But only one of them, the Bible says, when he realized what had happened to him, he ran back to Jesus, fell before him, and worshipped him, and thanked him. Jesus said, weren't they all ten cleansed? Where's the other nine? 
but only one of them came back to thank him for it. That has a lot to do with experiencing the extraordinary on a continual basis. Amen. And so notice, as they went, they were cleansed. They didn't say, well, you don't understand. We can't go to the priest until we're cleansed. They would have not, they would not have experienced that miracle. You know, sometimes we're waiting for all the conditions to be perfect, you know, and all, everything is in line and in order before we step out in faith. That's never worked for me. Fifty years of doing this, and the, the conditions have never been perfect before I stepped out in faith. I stepped out in faith, and things started lining up. Amen? Hallelujah. So notice, extraordinary things happen when people are willing to do extraordinary things. <laughs> Go beyond the norm. How many of you have ever had God speak to you about giving a certain amount of money? How many of you decided that God didn't know what he was talking about? <laughs> he hadn't checked your, you know, your bank account recently. Huh? God ever ask you to do something extraordinary and you didn't have the means to do it at the time? I love the verse where Paul says, as a man purposes in his heart. God's asked me to do things that I didn't have the means to do it, but I purposed in my heart that I would do it. And God made arrangements for me to be able to do it. But I had to purpose in my heart first. Like the story I tell where uh, first time I heard Brother Copeland and after he came back to Fort Worth, and I'm still living in Shreveport, and, uh, and, and I wrote him a letter and thanked him for preaching the uncompromising word. And I said, Brother Copeland, if I had $1,000 to put in your ministry, I'd send it to you in this letter so you could reach out and help other Jerry Savelles like me. But I don't have $1,000. I don't have $100. I don't have $10. But I'm not without seed. I have prayer time. I get up every morning. I'll get up every morning at 6 o'clock, and I'll spend the first hour of my day praying for you. That's all the seed I have. And I closed it, sent the letter to him. I don't know if he even received it. I'm sure he did. Because back then, you know, he wasn't getting a whole lot of mail. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that one letter got to his desk. Hallelujah. And, uh, but it was sometime later. Didn't happen overnight, but sometime later when God blessed me with $1,000. My goodness, $1,000. And I walked up to him and I said, Sir, I said, if I had $1,000... I'd put it in your ministry to help you reach other Jerry Savelles like me. And I gave it to him, and I heard something kind of out of my mouth that I did not anticipate. I had certainly not even thought of it. And I said, and sir, one day it'll be 10000 I took my hand away, and I said, dear God, where in the world would I ever get $10,000? But I'll never forget the day I walked up to Kenneth Copeland. I said, sir, I said, one day it'll be 10000 here it is. And I heard come out of my mouth. And one day it'll be a hundred thousand. I said, dear God, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Where would I ever get a hundred thousand dollars? But I'll never forget the day. I said, sir, I said, one day it'll be a hundred thousand. This time I could hardly wait to hear what came out of my mouth. I said, and one day it'll be a million dollars. I'll put in your ministry. And I've done it. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Hallelujah. That's a long ways from not even having $10. But it all started by thinking differently and believing differently. Are you still here? Thinking differently and believing differently. Now, I was not raised to think big. I wasn't raised to believe big. So what is this called? Renewing the mind. Amen. Renewing the mind. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And then he went on to say that we should engage in this process called the renewing of the mind. Amen. That's what the Bible is designed to do. Renew our minds so that we can think God's thoughts. Amen. So that we can, we can go beyond our limitations. Go beyond our own formal education. Go beyond the way we were raised and the way we were trained. My mom and dad didn't think like I think. It wasn't until they came to work for me that they began to hear me preach on these things. And it began to change the way they thought and the way they believed. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to become your own parents' mentor. (laughs) And you have to be very careful that you don't rebuke an elder. (laughs) Amen. Dad, don't talk like that. I remember Brother Copeland telling me when when he first went in the ministry and started traveling, you know, and, and his daddy. And even when I went to work with him, his daddy would travel with us, particularly in Texas. And Brother A.W. Copeland, he was a fine man. He was a sweet, sweet man. And uh, Brother A.W., he and I would count the offerings at night in his room. We'd pour them out on the bed, and they weren't weren't big offerings back then. We'd pour those offerings out on the bed, and and Brother A.W., we all called him Granddad. Granddad would take all the ones and put them in a pile and all the tens and all the twenties. But before the service, he'd stand in the back of the room and just look, and he'd count the heads. And he'd look at me and he said, now there's uh, 123 people in here at $2 a head. We'll probably get about, you know, maybe $400. That's, that's tops. And he'd make the mistake of telling Brother Copeland that. <laughs> he'd say, uh, Kenneth, there's about 123 people in here today, about $2 a head. Maybe, maybe at the most, $400 offering. And, and Brother Copeland said, Daddy, quit confessing that. You're robbing my offerings. <laughs> I'm not confessing that. I'm believing for extravagant offerings, praise God. Quit counting the heads. Yeah. And Brother A.W. just throw his head back and laugh, you know. And he, did, he didn't understand it at first. So Brother Copeland was becoming his own father's mentor. Okay? He's teaching him how to think differently. How to believe differently, praise God. Amen. Are you still here? Yes. Now, listen to first, uh, first Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 and verse 16. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, the Passion Translation says, someone living on an earthly human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit. For they make no sense to Him, but we have Christ's perception. Oh, I love that. We have Christ's perception. See, the natural mind, this doesn't make sense. 
You mean to tell me you went and got a hangar before you had an airplane? That doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me they went to the priest before they were ever cleansed? You can't go to the priest until you are cleansed. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. You mean you were believing for money and you gave away the money you had? That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It's like one day I was at the office there and and I had walked over to the administrative building. And as I walked in, my in-house accountant was coming down the hallway from her office. She said, Brother Jerry, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I was just coming over to your office to show you that today uh, we received a check from one of our partners for $100,000. She said, we're all rejoicing back in the accounting room. And I just wanted to be the one to come over and show it to you. And so I rejoiced with her and I said, who is it? And, and prayed over them for their return. And then I said to her, now you know what to do. She said, yes, sir, I do. Because we tithe on our income. Both as a church, as a, a, a world ministry, both out of JSMI and Heritage of Faith, we tithe all of our income. And so she knew what I meant when I said, now you know what to do. So she was going to take 10000 out of that 100000 and put it in the tithe account. And I told her, I said, and I'll call you a little later and tell you where to send it. Because we, we tithe. We, we tithe out of the ministry. We, we help other ministries. We help people that are in need and so forth. And I said, now I'll let you know what to do with it. And so I walked out of the administrative building. I was walking over to the executive building. And the Lord said, I'll never forget it. He said, how would you like to see some extraordinary, or no, how would you like some extraordinary results? I said, you know I would. He said, then be willing to do something extraordinary. I said, what? He said, give the whole 100000 away. So I walked back over to the administrative building. I said, Carol, uh, forget what I told you earlier. Put the whole 100000 in the tithe account. We're going to sow it all. Wow. Now, that's not what you normally do right. when you need it all. And we needed it all. She said, yes, sir, Brother Jerry, I'll do exactly that. And I said, and I'll call you in a little bit and tell you what to do with it after you put it in the tithe account. I'll tell you where to distribute it. So I went back over to my office and I prayed and the Lord told me what to do with it, where to send it and so forth. But I remembered what he said. How would you like some extraordinary results? Well, I was willing to do something extraordinary. See, this takes thinking differently and believing differently. Are you with me? Amen. And so I told her what the Lord told me to, where he told me to distribute it. And she started writing checks and sending it out. And we, we, we were thrilled to be able to do it. Praise God. And then before less than, I think it was less than 45 days had gone by and we received three $100,000 checks. I call that extraordinary. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, when you get these kind of results, I like to say your mama didn't raise no fool. You just keep doing it, praise God. Keep living this way. Can you say amen? amen. You know, I remember uh, after that first airplane came that I told you about earlier, I remember uh, saying to the Lord the day that it arrived, and we put it in the hangar. Carrie, you remember this? We were all out there as a family, and we pushed it in the hangar. And, and I, I just was overwhelmed by the goodness of God. 
I mean, I'm a country boy, and I now own a debt-free airplane. I don't think some of you realize how, how magnificent that is. I never, I never dreamed growing up of being able to pay cash for a car, much less an airplane. And now I'm looking at a debt-free airplane, and it belongs to this ministry, praise God. And so we had pushed it in the hangar, and I was closing the hangar doors. And the Carolyn and the girls had already gone to the car. And as I closed the door, I opened it up just a little bit to take one more peek. And then I started closing the door. And I heard on the inside of me, what if the Lord tells you to give it away before you ever get to fly it? I slammed that door and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And we got in the car and we took off. And before I could get three miles away from that airport, I didn't like what I was feeling on the inside. I said, we got to go back. They said, why? I said, I'll show you when we get there. So we went back, opened the hangar door. I said, come on, let's lay our hands on the nose of this airplane. I said, Lord, I just want you to know, if I never get to fly it. Now, the next day I was going to fly it to St. Simon Island, Georgia. You never forget these things. <laughs> and, and I laid my hands on the nose of that airplane, along with the family. I said, Lord, if I never get to fly this plane, I will tell everybody everywhere I preach what a magnificent God you are. You did the impossible. And I will gladly share the story, even if I never get to fly. It was an honor watching you do what you do. Hallelujah. And I'll never forget what he said. Thank you, son. Enjoy it for now. So I shut the door real real quick. And I went to the car and went home. And the next morning, I flew it to St. Simon Island, Georgia. I got to fly that airplane for a year. And one day, I come in contact with two ministries that were going under financially. And the Lord said, you can save these two ministries. I said, I can. He said, yes, you have the means to do it. I said, I do. That was news to me. I said, how do I have the means to do it? He said, sell your airplane and divide the money between these two, air, these two ministries. Now, I need an airplane. I can't do without an airplane. My schedule is set up around that airplane. God's asking me to do something extraordinary. Why? Because he's setting me up for something extraordinary. Amen? So in obedience to God, I sold the airplanes. Let me back up a little bit. I went into the office the next day, and I told my office manager, I said, I need the title to our airplane. He said, why? I said, I'm going I'm going to sell it and give the money to two different ministries. He said, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean I can't do that? He said, we need that money. If you're going to sell the airplane, we need that money. I said, sir, would you please walk outside with me? And we walked outside, and I pointed to the sign on the building. I said, what does that say? It's Jerry Savelle, Evangelistic Association. I said, you work for me, sir. I don't work for you. You work for me. And... I will do whatever God tells me to do. I said, I'm going to sell the airplane and I'm going to sell the money into two different ministries. God is setting us up for something extraordinary. And he said, well, I just don't know how you can do that when we need the money. I said, not only am I going to sell the airplane and give the money away, I'm going to sow you. I'm sowing you into somebody else's ministry. I don't want anybody working here that tells me I can't sow. Amen? I may not be able to do certain things, 
but I'll never stop sowing. Amen. I don't care if it means taking off the coat on my back and sowing. I will have seed to sow somehow. And nobody's going to tell me I can't sow. So I sowed him. (laughs) And I sowed the airplane. And that was nine debt-free airplanes to go, praise God. Amen. And the one I'm flying now, whoo, hallelujah, 42,000 feet, 541 miles an hour, and waving at the commercial airlines as I pass them by. Hallelujah. God is so good. I said, God is so good. Amen. Praise God. Now, notice once again, it had everything to do with the way I thought and how I believed. Amen. How I thought and how I believed. Sometimes you just have to put down, cast down sometimes with effort, those thoughts that tell you you can't do this. Amen. If God is asking you to do something extraordinary, it's only because he's setting you up for something extraordinary. You should have wrote that down. If God's asking you to do something extraordinary, it's simply because he's setting you up for something extraordinary. Now, what do we mean by extraordinary? Let me go over this real quickly here. Let me give you several definitions about extraordinary so you you know what to aim for. Number one, beyond the common order, method, or course of things. Extraordinary means beyond the common order, method, or course of things. Number two, it means remarkable, uncommon, and rare. Remarkable, uncommon, and rare. I love having rare things happen in my life in ministry. You know, sometimes we share testimonies and people will say, man, I've never heard anything like that in my life. That is rare. Well, rare becomes the norm for people who live by faith. Amen? Rare becomes the norm. Number three, it's a work wrought by divine power for a divine purpose. By means beyond the reach of common man. A work wrought by divine power for a divine purpose by means wrought beyond, uh, by means beyond the reach of common man. Did you get that? I'll say it one more time. A work wrought by divine power for a divine purpose by means beyond the reach of common man. Number four, an event or occurrence In the physical world, deviating from the known laws of nature. An event or an occurrence in the physical world, deviating from the known laws of nature. Number five, an abnormal event brought about by supreme means. Notice all of this has to do with God. It's not anything that we make happen. It's all him. But it begins with how we think and how we believe. Number six, a work done out of unusual sequence or causes and effects, which cannot be accounted for other than it had to be from God. A work done out of the usual sequence, rather, or course 
or let me say it again, a work done out of the usual sequence of causes and effects, which cannot be accounted for other than it had to be from God. And then finally, number seven, transcending the ordinary. That's what we're talking about when we talk about extraordinary results, extraordinary happenings, manifestations. And our theme and our challenge is let's go for the extraordinary. Don't settle for the ordinary. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Luke 5, your very familiar scripture, beginning in verse 1 down through verse 9. I won't take the time to read it, but you know the story where Jesus is teaching and uh, eventually the crowd gets so close to him it's almost they're almost about to push him into the shore. He turns and sees these fishermen coming in and uh, he turns to Simon Peter and says, uh, in essence, I want to borrow your boat so I can finish my sermon. And he stands in the boat and he finishes his sermon. Then he turns to Peter and says, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter says, see, God is, uh, Jesus is asking him to do something out of the ordinary. Apparently, uh, these men, and Peter said it, we have, we have caught, we have fished all day and have taken nothing. And Jesus is asking them to do something out of the ordinary. They're tired. Half of them are already going to shore, washing their nets. Last thing they want to do is put those nets back in the water after washing them. Not only that, they're tired. They haven't caught anything. It's a bad day in the fishing business. Peter's got to go home and tell mama. When she asked, how did you do today? We took nothing. My mama told me not to marry you. He's thinking all these thoughts. He's human. And then he makes a statement that changes everything. Nevertheless, at thy word. Notice how his thinking changed. How his believing changed. Nevertheless, at thy word. And when he did what Jesus said, the Bible says his nets began to break. His boat began to sink. He caught a multitude of fish. He finally had to beckon unto his partners and tell them to come out and join him. And their nets began to break. Their boats began to sink. Wouldn't you call that extraordinary? And notice how it all happened. He asked him to do something out of the ordinary. And it produced the extraordinary. Anytime God asks you to do something out of the ordinary, He's setting you up for the extraordinary. Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. The Passion Translation says, Now row out into the deep and cast your nets, and you'll have a great catch. And I like to say, the Savelle translation, something extraordinary is about to happen. And then he goes on to say, Peter says, but if you insist, and then they were awestruck over the miracle catch. If you insist, every time I hear that phrase, I think, oh, Roberts. That's what he always said to me when I would say, Brother Roberts, uh, I'd like to buy you a meal today, if you insist. Brother Roberts, I want to buy you a new suit after lunch today, if you insist. In other words, at your word. I love that. 
uh, Evelyn told me one time, said, you know, Jerry, uh, Oral likes uh, uh, Big Mac after he gets through preaching. Uh, no, a, a quarter pounder with cheese. He likes a quarter pounder with cheese after he gets through preaching. I thought, McDonald's? I said, well, Brother Roberts, there's a McDonald's about two blocks from here. Would you like me to stop and get you a quarter pounder with cheese? If you insist. <laughs> we got him his quarter pounder and cheese. He took it home to our house in his bag. He ate it in the kitchen. Then he went to bed. If you insist. And sometimes, you know, people want to do something for you, you know. And, and you don't want them to think that they have to do that. Like one guy said, Brother Jerry, I'm a partner with your ministry, but I'd like to do something for you personally. And I'd say, well, no, you don't have to do that. I, thank you. That's good enough. You're a partner with my ministry. You don't have to do anything for me personally. I quit saying that a long time ago. If you insist. <laughs> if you insist. I learned that from Oral Roberts. Amen. If you want to buy me a new motorcycle, well, if you insist. You know, Brother Copeland and I have this thing. Every time we go out to eat, we, we're constantly, you know, determining who's going to buy the meal. And, and, and uh, I'll say, uh, Brother Copeland, I'll buy the meal today. He said, no, let me buy it. You buy the next airplane. <laughs> That's what we say all the time. If, if, if I let him buy it, I say, no, you buy it. You, uh, no, I'll buy it. You buy the next airplane. I remember one time we were in uh, uh, Colorado on a motorcycle trip with Carolyn and, and Gloria and all. And we went into a leather shop. And Brother Copeland and I, we love leather coats. No, you don't understand. We love leather coats. And I got a closet full of leather coats, and he does too. But we saw one in there we didn't have. Oh, my goodness, it was a beautiful leather jacket. And we both came out with, with these beautiful leather jackets on that neither one of us had. Neither one of us had seen a jacket like this. And the first thing Gloria said was, Kenneth, you don't need another leather jacket. You got a closet full of leather, leather jackets. Yeah, but I don't have one like this, Gloria. And Carolyn said, Jerry... You don't need another leather jacket. You got a closet full of leather jacket. Not like this one, Carolyn. You know. She said, you don't need that. Brother Colton and I both went back like we were scolded kids, you know, and, and put the leather jacket back. And Brother, Brother Copeland said, you really like that jacket? I said, man, this is a fine jacket. He said, I'll buy it for you. I said, you like that one? He said, this is a fine jacket. I said, I'll buy it for you. So we both walked out of there. We both walked out of there with them jackets. And Gloria said, Kenneth, I told you not to buy that. I didn't buy it. Jerry bought it for me. <laughs> Carolyn, Carolyn said, Jerry, I told you not to buy another jacket. I didn't buy it. Kenneth bought it for me. <laughs> we got this thing worked out now, praise God. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that was so funny. We both walked out of them fine new leather jackets. And our wives are getting on to us. I didn't buy it. Jerry bought it. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's wrap it up with Second Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, you're familiar with this story. Jehoshaphat and the congregation of Judah, Jerusalem, they're outnumbered by enemy forces. They don't know what to do. They said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then God asked them to do something out of the ordinary. 
to, to overcome this tremendous barrier. What did he ask him to do? He asked him to send the praisers out front and to sing and to say, say, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Now that is the most foolish thing I've ever heard of. We're in a battle and you're going to put singers out front and they're going to sing while we're having a battle. And they're going to say, praise you, the Lord, for the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. And that's supposed to help? Well, it's not the ordinary, but it will set you up for the extraordinary. And you know the story. They sent the praisers out front. And, uh, of course, there was a great battle won. The Lord set up ambushments against the the enemy forces. And the uh, children of God came away with a great victory. They were willing to do something that wasn't ordinary, and it set them up for the extraordinary. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 And then let's go, uh, well, I've already covered that, Luke chapter 17 with the uh, uh, lepers that said, go show yourself to the priest. And once again, it set them up for an extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of God. Amen. So... If we're really serious about going for the extraordinary, then we're going to have to do something about the way we think and the way we believe. Amen? And, and I don't care if you've been in this 50 years. You have to work at this every day of your life. Amen? You, you, don't, you don't reach the place where you say, okay, my mind's renewed. I've been doing it for 50 years now. And every day. Particularly if you turn on the television for about five minutes, you better go back and renew your mind. <laughs> Amen? Because you can watch something that only covered five minutes and it get down on the inside of you and affect how you think and affect how you believe. If we believed everything that's on the news right now, dear God, what a mess everything's in. And finally, I get to the place where I don't want to hear it anymore. You know, you just don't want to hear it anymore. I'm praying for our president. I, I would like to say, you who have never sinned, throw the first stone. Well, that shut the whole group up, wouldn't it? The whole group. He's not perfect by any means. Well, he's my president. <laughs> I voted for him. Hallelujah. And thank God I have the right to say that now because of him. Amen. I'm not going to get my, my, yeah, my IRS standings revoked because I stand up in the pulpit and say, I voted for such and such. Or whoever. And that's one of the things. If nothing else, he did right. <laughs> Amen. But look, dear Lord, if you listen to the news, he's responsible for the, for the city of Venice being underwater right now. He did it. It's his fault. He didn't pull the plug in his bathtub at the White House. Some other dumb thing. Or maybe he did pull the plug. <laughs> And it all went to Venice, you know. <laughs> he gets blamed for everything. Everything. How would you like 
to be in office one day with everything that he goes through in 24 hours. Now, some of it I agree. He brings it on himself. But dear God, why can't they see anything that he's done right? There's a lot of people with jobs today because of him. They didn't have a job a few years ago. Amen? So, you don't reach the place where you say, okay, I'm done. I can throw this Bible in the corner. My mind's renewed. No. As long as you're in the world and Satan has access to you, then you're going to have to keep right on renewing your mind. Amen? Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Then after that, every day. Amen? Praise God. Let's go for the extraordinary. Come on, give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, if you will. Brother Keith will be speaking tonight and uh, make your plans to be here. It's going to be a great service. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. All right. Lay hands on the person next to you. Justin, come and lead them in a prayer that they can decree over each other. If you will, please. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's dare declare this over us. Father, we thank you that your word is working in us. It is renewing our minds to your truths and how your kingdom operates. Father, I thank you that our mind is being renewed to go into the extraordinary, to step into greater territories and fulfill everything you've called us to fulfill. We rejoice in it today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Like I said, we'll be back. Um, we'll start corporate prayer at 645. Uh, don't forget, if you had a packet, your renewal, renewal information is in there. Or you can go to herejafaith.com backslash HFMA and you can uh, renew there. Other than that, we'll see you at 645. God bless.